that's the big reward of being a songwriter and being a musician is when people come up to you and they say that this, your song helped me get through some tough times. That's really important to me. And that, that is, that is more important than all the accolades and all the yeah. awards. I kind of count my blessings when that happens. Cause I go, you know, everything else aside, I'm lucky to be able to maybe help people get, get through some a tough time, even if it's. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to spill it. We love having you here. Our mission is to give you a glimpse into the performer's mindset and uncover what it takes to harness, control and use our personal skill set to achieve ultimate success. And now, please welcome your host, the nunchuck spinning, roundhouse kicking, backflip flipping, Akayo Samson! Nunchuck girl. It's Claire, and you're listening to Spill It. It's a show that gives you a glimpse into the performer's mindset and reveals the person behind the persona. It's a mad, mad world because today joining us in the virtual Spill It studio is eight-time Juno Award winner, Canadian Music Hall of Fame member, singer-songwriter Tom Cochran. Tom's iconic career began with Red Rider and has spanned over four decades beginning in the pubs, roughneck bars, and coffee houses. Life is a highway, and Tom will tell you that the highway has been a good teacher to him. Like a blank canvas, the possibilities are endless. Throughout his career, Tom has thrown his support behind a wide range of worthy causes, like World Vision. World Vision is a global relief, development, and advocacy organization. They partner with children, families, and their communities to reach their full potential by tackling the causes of poverty and injustice. World Vision's COVID-19 response has already reached more than 50 million people. Their goal is 72 million. Visit donate.worldvision.ca. Let's make this happen together. If you're ready to get back up and play in the big leagues, stay tuned as this episode is for you. Tom, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure, Akaya. It's good to good to uh, talk to you again. <clears throat> Boy, you just wowed me with those. Uh, what do you call those <clears throat> martial Nunchuck? arts? Yeah, those things. You're amazing. <laughs> thank you. Know, you. You've got to be Thanks one of the best. And then you were in a uh, what video was it? Not a Katy Perry. It was somebody's video. It it's was Katy Penstoli. Uh, yes. Wow, and I love her work. That was quite an honor. You must be good for her to ask you into that. <laughs> Thank to be you. In that video. That's great. You have had an amazing music career. It's really incredible when you look at everything you've done on Wikipedia. And you were originally from Manitoba and your dad was a bush pilot, which is mm -hmm. very cool. <laughs> I read that at 11 years old, like me, you picked up your first guitar. Mm -hmm. What made you decide that you wanted to be a musician? Um... <clears throat> I think I wrote poetry as a, as a kid. And uh, of course, you know, back then when I was a kid, which is a long time ago, obviously now, um, writing poetry wasn't the coolest thing in the world to do. So you didn't, uh, I wasn't too vocal about it, but then when the music came along and everybody seemed to be in a band, then it was cool to put poetry to music. And uh, mm -hmm. I guess Definitely. I was pretty good at it, you know, and I had a good signature. I had a good style. And um, one thing led to another, and uh, you know, I ended up going to university and going to college and then playing in college pubs and that, and 
in during the summer and the summer became the endless summer i all of a sudden realized i was pretty good at it and was there ever something else you thought you might be doing when you grew up i was almost sidetracked i mean it, you know it's pretty rough being a musician initially there's a lot of dues that you pay mm -hmm. um you know a lot of lonely hours on the road and crummy motel rooms if you can afford them and we slept in the cars a lot and slept in vans but I think at one point uh, I was considering being a pilot like my dad uh, if if the first record hadn't done something but White Hot became a hit in the states became number 45 got up to number 45 on bill, oh. billboard and it was a big hit in Canada so it kind of afforded me the the luxury of carrying yeah. on with the next record you know and the next record of course had lunatic fringe on it and so yeah and one thing led to another and we kept moving hmm. well speaking of lunatic fringe i actually just listened to it this morning and it was a great song how did you get involved with red rider red rider goes back boy a long time okay it's it, it goes back to the 70s and i joined the band um i actually was was invited to join a band called Bond, which had a couple of kind of mid-chart hit records back in the, the mid-70s. And I was in and out of bands at that point. And I had spent some time in Los Angeles trying to peddle my songs and banging on doors and wearing out my knuckles, banging on publishers' doors and, and record company doors. And I didn't have a whole lot of success. And I came home and I was set up uh, I, with a meeting with Bond and I wasn't really that crazy about their music they said well why don't you go and see this band called Red Rider at the Elma Combo uh, they might be looking for songwriter even though they had pretty good songwriter in the band named Peter Boynton so I went and I checked them out at the Elma Combo and we chatted and I was really impressed with the band I was Im impressed with their incredible musicianship because all the guys in the band were, were great great players on their instruments and at yeah. that point to be honest with you Akai I wasn't a very good I wasn't a very good guitar player at all you know wow. I was still learning my craft a little bit and and that you know but I had creative ideas and I knew how to write songs so uh, I went and I auditioned for them in a place you probably know in London Ontario at a place called uh, Freifogels which is no longer open but it was quite a famous club back in in the day in the 70s and, and through uh, a good part of the 80s and I auditioned for the band at Fry Fogels, and then the rest was, as they say, music history. I, I joined the band and, and started playing with them. And what was it like touring and playing in small venues for the first few years? <laughs> you know what? It, it, it's miserable. It's funny, you know, like in my song, Good Times, and I say, you remember all the good ones, forget about all the bad. So now I, you look back on it and you realize that those those are character builders, all those tough yeah, times. And, totally. And, you know, the, the dirty clubs and, and you know, I mean, boy, we, we had club owners pulled guns on us and oh not pay God. us. And, and oh, you know, we had to, you know, somehow scrape together money to get home and sleeping in cars, sleeping in, in, in vans, like I said. And it was tough, man. We, and we would play sometimes, like especially it. in Quebec, we'd play until four in the morning. We'd have to play six sets. And um Wow. So, so it was rough. I mean, we really paid our dues and, and I think everybody does. And that sort of makes you stronger. And, and, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, that old cliche. And, and, uh, but it was, it was, it was tough. It, it's not glamorous yeah. like people think it might be, you know, it, it would, it, we had to pay a lot of dues. We weren't making a lot of money, you know. And yet 
all of that it, it it like you said it's character building and it somehow led you led you here which i think is amazing how it's just all the little experiences that really bring you to where you are today and then exactly. if you were to pick one funny experience that stood out from all the rest while touring with red rider in the early days what would it be oh boy you know i'll probably get off this interview and i'll probably a bunch of things will pop into my head but um Boy, I remember we used to, uh, you know, I mean, one thing wasn't very funny, but the, uh, you know, the uh, bus, I guess we blew a tire and we, we drove off a cliff. It wasn't a very big cliff and the bus ended upside down and we kind of spent a good chunk of the night. I think that was down, we were going through Arizona someplace and we spent a good chunk, chunk of time trapped in that bus. Luckily, it didn't get, uh, you know, catch on fire and stuff. So um, the band yeah. kind of. There's, there's that. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that you, you go through in dressing rooms and that to kill time because it's, you know, there's so much boredom when you're on the road, uh, you know, coupled with some moments of excitement and those great moments on stage, you know, when everything's really working well as a band. But uh, that was that was one thing. I mean, um, you know, we ended up, uh, you know, I remember we ended up going to the to a wrong venue in, in, a, in a city down in the States as well. And, and um, we ended up loading in and that, and, and uh, we were opening for a band and it wasn't a very big band back then. And I think it was, uh, I can't remember what band, but I think it was the Smithereens, but maybe not. And, and, um, and the, the other band didn't show up, so they let us carry on and we ended up uh, opening for them. But um, yeah, it was, um, so yeah, we kind of misfired on that one. And then there was, um, I don't know, there's just a lot of stuff that happens to you out there on the road yeah. that, uh, that that is funny, but a lot of it's kind of tempered with hours and hours of boredom, you know, because you're getting from one gig to another and and uh, you're just trying to make it to make it work. Mm-hmm. And that's almost what I find with a lot of things is how in the moment it's not funny or it might be a bit boring then when you look back at it though then it's funnier then it's it's a lot of fun and so it's just little memories like that absolutely what was was it like the first (laughs) time you played for a sold out show in a large venue well a lot of what we did in initially was opening for bands so um you know i remember we, we i think our first gig with uh opening was with uh, the Beach Boys, a band called the Beach Boys, which you may or may not know of, but they're I've heard of them. quite a, a famous American band uh, from the West Coast. And I think we started in Tallahassee, University of Tal- Florida, I believe, somewhere down there, um, or Gainesville, and it was packed. And uh, we were nervous as heck, but, you know, we got out, we did our <laughs> 30 minutes. The problem is, back then, we only had one album out, so some of the songs didn't translate that great live and didn't rock out very well. So we played a couple of songs twice, you know, we played white hot twice and we played don't fight it twice, but, um, yeah, it it was, um, yeah, it was, it it was fantastic. You know, to me, an audience is an audience, you know, I've never gone on stage where I haven't given it 150%. And that, that includes Mm -hmm. times when we were starting out playing in clubs and there was maybe only 10 or 20 people there. And then playing to to fifteen thousand people, it it just yeah, you always kind of bring the same. Uh, you, you always bring it for 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 an audience, no matter what. One hundred and fifty percent. 
that's just a really good lesson for everything I find you do. It's just give it your best and then some. And out of all the venues you've played at, do you have a favorite? Um, I think Massey Hall is probably my favorite just because of the history there and the fact that I, I used to go there when I was 10 and 11 and 12 and saw some of the some of the artists that really had a huge impact on me and my life and my music. Um, and it just is such a great hall. You could just feel the ghosts in that room of, of all the, the wonderful artists that have played there over uh, a long, long yeah. period of time. You know, it, it, that, that hall goes back many, many years. And then there was, there's a spectacular venue. We played with a, with a German artist named Herbert Grunemeyer. We played, it was called Lorelei and it was the narrowest point of the Rhine river. And it was beautiful weather like it is here today. And, uh, and we, you know, was, was, Oh boy, we're, you know, thousand, thousand feet up. And there was a castle on the side of the, the cliff off in the distance. And you could see boats, you know, on that, and the back of the stage sort of backed onto that cliff. And it was, a, it was a really beautiful amphitheater. Um, uh, that you know that one kind of stands out but there's been a lot of really really wonderful places that we played red rock uh, is another one yeah that one place you mentioned sounds absolutely beautiful and then do you remember the first time you ever played at massey hall oh yeah i mean it's uh that sort of etched in my mind that was all that was such a huge moment you know playing maple leaf gardens was a big moment too um and we were headlining but uh, Massey Hall was 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 wonderful, and the sold out show um, was just just wonderful playing there. And now it is time for spill it segue number one, which is a speed round of Would You Rather. Three questions, thirty seconds on the clock. Are you ready? Sure. Would you rather spend the rest of your life with a sailboat as your home or an RV as your home? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I'd say sailboat, even though I get seasick, but uh, because a sailboat, you could see the whole of the world with an RV. I, I suppose you could, you ha could have it shipped over to another country, but, uh, sure. but the sailboat would be kind of a wonderful way to go. Would you rather be forced to dance every time you heard music or be forced to sing along with any song you heard? Sing. <laughs> <laughs> How's that for a quick answer? I'm, I'm a terrible dancer, <laughs> Nakaya. <Yeah. laughs> and, and would you rather eat a sandwich made from four random ingredients from your fridge or eat a sandwich made by a group of your friends from four ingredients in your fridge? Hmm. I think I'd rather make the sandwich. Depends on who's making it. True, yeah. I'm a bit of a control freak that way, so I'd like to make the sandwich. That that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And you've had a huge amount of success with your solo career as a songwriter. What is your creative process like? My creative process is, um, you know, I tend to read a lot when I'm when I'm going into a creative period, you know, and um, mm -hmm. yeah. So I think I think a lot of it starts with reading and then uh, and then working out sketches. You know, I call them sketches. Nakaya, where I um, just like making a sketch if you're an artist, you know, it's the outline of a song. So it might be just a 30 second exactly. snippet of a song that that uh, taps into an emotion or a vibe and then some or something you want to say that perhaps you've 
an experience you live through and, and or something you, you think needs to be said like lunatic fringe or that you're really motivated to say. So, you know, it's, 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 um, but yeah, I think, and you know, it's, I'm always open to stories, you know, and, uh, I, I often say, you know, I'm warning you, you're talking to a songwriter. So everything you say may be held against you <laughs> or, or repeated. And, and we're kind of like uh, pack rats, you know, kind of scavenging mm -hmm. from other people's, you know, scraps. I mean, that's what songwriting is. You kind of, you, 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 uh, uh, you, you live experiences, you experience things in life, and you also observe other people and, and what they're going through. So uh, it's always a good warning when people are around a songwriter, beware what you do or say, because it might end up in a song. <laughs> Now, where do you do most of your songwriting, recording, and sketching? Um, I do a lot up up north in my cottage studio, and um, you know that's you know I did a lot of the last record down in Austin, Texas. Same thing, kind of had a studio above the garage and in, in the house uh, we had down there. So that was, um, you know, I mean, a lot of people have different methods. I know, I know somebody's quite a famous Canadian songwriter and he writes all his lyrics. He just gets in his car and drives out somewhere and sits in his car and writes lyrics. And I've done a bit of that as well. You know, um, any place that I think where you can uh, ponder things and ponder life and, and do it and sort of relative calm, you know, I'm not a big one for writing stuff in the city with a lot of chaos around me. So I do like to get out to the country and do it. I find for me personally, Kind of when you're out in nature or like in an open field, I think that's really nice for me personally. Yeah. And when exactly. you mentioned, yeah, going out into the country, that it really hits close to home. I agree. And then when you were told that Life is a Highway was going to be used in the movie Cars, what was your first thought? <laughs> How much are they going to pay? <laughs> I don't know if that was my first thought, but I thought it was a pretty cool uh, offer. You know, when the way these things happen is you're kind of offered um, what we call a sync um, arrangement, a sync fee and whatever. And so they come to you and they say, well, this, we want to use this song in such and such a film and this part of the film. And you agree to it, you know, or you don't agree to it. And and I just, uh, I really like the whole concept of it. It was wonderful. And um you know, the whole thing came about, uh, and you know, it's, it's, you got to remember, Kaya, it was, it was coupled with, with a band called Rascal Flats, which I didn't know a whole lot about because I wasn't a huge country follower back then in the mid 2000s. And they were actually a pretty prominent country band and, and, and really starting to make a lot of waves. And so that it, it first came to us as, as well, you know, Jack Lasseter, who was president of Disney, wanted, this band rascal flats to cover the song and they were contracted to cover a song and he had heard them do it with Carrie Underwood in American Idol. And so, um, uh, you know, she had requested, she won. And then she requested to, uh, they asked her what her wish was. And I, I believe, and, and they, she requested to, uh, do a duet with rascal flats and the song they chose was life's a highway so jack lassiter heard that and he said i want those guys rascal flats to do that song in the cars movie 
And the Cars movie actually was delayed. We forgot all about it because it was held oh. back a year. Um, oh. from, the, from the time they finished the song until the, the, the movie got released, they held it back a year, year and a half. Then it was almost two years. And then the movie got released. And the rest is, again, as they say, music history it became a huge hit. The movie. I remember I still do, but I really used to love all the Cars movies. They were They were definitely some of my favorites. Was pretty cool. Sometimes people <laughs> would introduce me as, as "This is the man" to their kid. This is the man that wrote "Life's a Highway," and the kid would kid would. I remember this one instance. The kid started to cry, and he said, "No, that's Max's song." So he thought, because I guess that's where "Life's a Highway" comes up. Live was Max's song, and he thought Max wrote it. The Max Max the truck in the in the movie. So that was. Uh, <laughs> That that stood out to me. And now, what would you say that your music says about you? Um, you know, it's funny, Akaya, because sometimes you know you you are the opposite of of your art. Um, sometimes you know, and I think sometimes, that yeah, that sometimes I'm not a terribly positive person, and my music allows me to reinvent myself, and it allows me to work out issues. Um, that I have in life and with myself and with, with the world through those songs. And I make sense of life through those songs. So I think people listen to my songs and I think in general, they, they think that I'm, you know, I write anthems, I write songs that hopefully inspire people and that, mm -hmm. that hopefully I'm, I'm an inspiring person. And actually a lot of the people that know me in real life would, wouldn't tell you that. But uh, but through my music, I think that side of I can explore that side of my personality yeah. and my character and present a real positive picture to the world and in a picture. Definitely. That, you know, Akai, I got to say this, like when people the biggest reward in music for me is not, you know, uh, being inducted into the Hall of Fame. And and although that was a, a wonderful moment, I really appreciate it. And, and, and the whole, you know. Order of Canada was very important to me and all of that. But it's when people come up to you, it's those little moments when people come up to you and they say, you know, I was having a really, really tough time. You know, I broke up with my girlfriend or I broke up with my boyfriend or, or you know, my, you know, I was going through a, a real sick period, you know, uh, or somebody in the family got sick. And your mm -hmm. song was like, a, your song helped me get through that experience. Yeah. Know? And that stuff, that's what that's the big reward of being a songwriter and being a musician is when people come up to you and they say that this, your song helped me get through some tough times. That's really important to me. And that that is that is more important than all the accolades and all the yeah. awards in the world. And and uh, and, and it's you know, I, I kind of count my blessings when that happens, because I go, you know, uh, uh, everything else aside, I'm lucky to be able to maybe help people get get through some, a tough time even if it's yeah. as simple as is a guy somebody driving home from work and then they're really pissed off and they're angry they've had a fight with their boss or something and uh you know or or gotten you got in trouble at school and sent to the principal's office i don't know if they still do that stuff and you're going home and you might hear the song life's a highway and all of a sudden it puts a smile on your face and 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 everything's forgotten you know you feel better mm -hmm. about it because you hear that song or you hear another song of yours that might be a favorite, you know, 
I remember I used to play lose yourself going to my pickup hockey games when I was, <laughs> this isn't that long ago. This is about 15, 16 years ago. I used to listen to Eminem's lose yourself. And I, that song would always get me up, pumped up for the game, right? Get me through any kind of down period I might be in. So I, you know, I, I'm just happy that I've been able to write some of those songs that have inspired people. It must feel really, really good to be able to hear that from people that your song really made me feel better or it was very inspiring to me. Like that must feel amazing. Yeah, it's it's a pretty incredible, um, it's a pretty incredible feeling. It's hard to describe really, Nakaya. It's, um, you know, and, and it's something that you don't really expect because again, starting out in small clubs and bars, everybody wanted to hear all these other songs. They wanted to hear... Aerosmith and they wanted to hear Led Zeppelin they they didn't want to hear, hear our original songs so when you finally get to that point after so many years where mm -hmm. wow, they, they really want to hear me they want to hear my songs my songs have become one of those songs you know that people hear on the radio and they you know it's it's a time and it's, it's a place and it's a snapshot of their lives and that's that's the real beauty of songwriting you know and 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 recording music and getting music out there to people is that magic that it creates. You know, I've often said that it's like God's gift to us that shows us, you know, because there's, that shows us there is a soul because there's a beginning and an end to a song, but nobody can really describe what it is. Right. Yeah. You listen to that song, it starts and it finishes, but it's still in your soul when it finishes. If you love that song, you're walking around, you can hear it in your head and that and it's like a life. It's like a life. If if a life begins and it ends, but that soul sticks around, you always remember that person. You remember that soul. And uh, yeah. so it's totally. kind of a little little small example of that 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 is sent our way that actually is something that's pretty magical, but we just sort of take it for granted. You know? Physicists can explain to us that our eardrums vibrate and creates these impressions. But we can't really explain what it is, why these yeah. songs move us the way they do and why we, we make shape out of them and make stories out of them. And they become so important to us. It's pretty magical. Mm -hmm. And a little switching topics here. How do you feel that the Internet has impacted the music business? Um. In some ways, it's been a Pandora's box. And, in, you know, Pandora's box is something that everybody thinks is wonderful and going to change things for the better. But in fact, is the opposite. Turns out to be something that's very, very bad. Yeah. Um, so in some ways it's been that way, but in a lot of ways, I think it's been, it, it's been a, a wonderful thing. I mean, I, I find even things like streaming, which, which has replaced CDs and MP3s and, yeah. and actual physical recordings you can hold. I mean, obviously people are going back, the affectionados go back and they love vinyl, but, um, but it's, it's, it, you know, it's really impacted the music business that way in a positive way. You know, it's, it's, it's allowed a lot of, a lot of artists. I know a lot of young bands that are able to cross borders and go, you know, they network with other artists in other countries in Europe and, and, uh, and all over the world. And we couldn't do that before. We always needed it to be facilitated by, by record companies and agents. And so it's given the actual artist at home that's making music, it's given him a voice and a freedom if, if, if he knows how to go about it and she knows how to go to go about it to get their music out there um, 
where normally they might not get heard. And uh, so in a lot of ways, it's, 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 it's been very positive for music, but in some ways it's kind of taken the whole ability for songwriters to, to, to make a living, like the middle class of songwriters, not the top echelon, not the, not the um, Taylor Swift's and the, and the uh, Weekends and, and Drake's and so on, but the, the, the kind of the, the, what we call the middle class of musicians, it's kind of taken that, that ability for them to make a, a living away. So it's, it's uh, but it's, it, it, it is with us and it's with us to stay and it's important. It's part of your life. That's all you know. And that's all a lot of kids that have grown up with it know. And, um, and, and it's done so we, you know, we, you can always emphasize the negative in something, but I think sure. you have to look at the positive with, with the internet and, and look at the positive ways it's impacted music and how it's, it's enabled the, the lesser artists that, that are starting out to get out to a lot of people that they normally mm -hmm. wouldn't get out to so they can go and play for those people live. Very true. And now it's time for spill segue number two called Fact or Fiction. As quickly as you can, answer the following questions. Fact or Fiction, there is a stretch of highway named after you. Fact. What is it called? <laughs> Actually, it's not, that's, that's not true. It's called uh, the Life is a Highway Highway. So it isn't, in fact, named after me. It's named okay. after my song. <laughs> and it's Highway okay. 391. It's, it, it goes from um, Thompson, Manitoba, up to my hometown of Lynn Lake, Manitoba, where I was born. And I'm very honored that they named that highway. Uh, Life is a Highway Highway by Tom Carr. <laughs> Fact or fiction, you've traveled to Africa several times supporting World Vision. Mm -hmm. Fact, many, many times. And how many, do you know how many times exactly that is? Uh, I've lost count, but I'm, I think, you know, I get confused sometimes between the countries and the trips, but at least, at least 15 times. And not, and that includes not just Africa, but the Middle East, um, Asia, um, you know, Indonesia, places like that. Mm -hmm. And fact or fiction, your album, Mad Mad World, was released in 1996. That is, which one, Mad Mad World? That's fiction. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it released in 1991? Okay, it was released in 91 in Canada and 92 in the United States and, and internationally. And now, what are your top five favorite songs of all time? Boy, that's uh, there's so many great songs, aren't there? When I think about it, I think Mr. Tambourine Man by Bob Dylan. There's a lot of Bob Dylan. Uh, Tangled Up in Blue by Bob Dylan. I'll just name the Bob Dylan songs first. Tangled Up in Blue by Bob Dylan. Um, a song called The Weight by the band. Day in a Life by the Beatles, and Whiter Shade of Pale. Is that five? Do you want another one? I think it's five. I think that's five. Okay, there you go. And now, why those songs? Again, they because they resonated with me for one reason or another. You know, whether it was the emotion of the song or the time I was going through, and and uh, how they impacted me. I mean, I think. With me in particular, the songs tend to be, um, uh, you know, songs that basically are markers for your life. You know, they're yeah. like snapshots of your life. And whenever you hear those songs, it reminds you of what you were going through at the time. 
um, but also as a songwriter, I think we look at things differently. So we look at songs that are kind of revolutionary songs that really have a, a, a you know something about them that is is it just turns your head around and 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 changes your your world and changes your perception of of things and how to how to make music perhaps you know um so it was yeah very important uh, those are some but i really could make a list of hundreds more you know now we've all been impacted by the pandemic but what have you been doing to keep busy and stay positive uh, I think it's a really tough task, you know, because it just seems to, you know, keep coming at us wave after wave. And, and some people have had an easier time than others. Um, it's been really tough for, for me and my, my compatriots, you know, and people like your dad who uh, make their living in our business. Um, it's, it's really hit our sector hard. So, you know, I did a lot of charity virtual um work back in the spring when it first started a year ago and it's hard to believe it's over a year now that we've been going through right. this and you know then luckily we we're going to a, into a summer and it was a very good summer and I was up here so you know I swam a lot I exercised a lot I'm trying to exercise a lot you know not being a young guy I think it's important um, maybe even more important than it was years ago because I want to be in good shape once we start to tour again and start to yeah be able to play live again, which God willing will be, uh, won't be too far away. And, um, you know, so I've done a lot of, through this past winter, I did a lot of fat tire biking, uh, through the snow and through the ice and through the, 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 the trails in the woods up here in Northern Ontario. And so that really kept me sane. I did that almost every day. I would do it at least five or six days a week and um, go out for a couple hours and, and, and really get some good exercise doing that. Play gol golf in the summer. I'm looking forward to starting that again. Um, you know, I played quite a bit last summer. Um, so, uh, you know, just try to stay active. I've worked on my piano quite a bit. That's tailed off a little bit lately and, and been working on, on some songwriting and some sketches as well. So it's been, um, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been tough on everybody, you know, it's, um, you know, but our sector has really been hit hard as, as the whole uh, entertainment and, and, and restaurant sector has been hit. Definitely. Um, so it's been hard, you know, but it, it is a matter of staying positive. We are going to get through this and the old cliche, we're in this together. We will get through this. And I think when we get out and play music again, people are going to be even more grateful and more anxious to, to get out and listen to that music than ever. Definitely. And did COVID-19 change how you foresee the future of your career? Yeah, definitely. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I would joke about it and say, this wasn't my idea how I wanted to retire. And um, I really appreciate every moment that I'm on stage. And I think mm -hmm. I, I, even, I even will more. It'll be that much more um impactful for me to get on stage it'll it'll be that much more magical and i'll appreciate every every moment because uh, at, at this stage of the game doing what i do i'm really really grateful to be able to to have people come to my shows and come and listen to my music and i i miss that profoundly and um i just can't wait till we have it back again on on that level where we can you know, people 
aren't nervous about being together in a, in a theater, aren't nervous about being yeah. together in a large venue. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's maybe a little ways off yet, but uh, hopefully we're getting there and hopefully, hopefully I'll be in good shape once we get back out there. Mm -hmm. Now, what lessons have you learned during this pandemic? I think I've learned to be more understanding of people. I've, I've learned to be more patient in some ways. Um, but then lately I've been getting very impatient. So I think um, I've learned that I don't like to be as alone as, as much as I thought I might. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I think like, like everybody, I really appreciate um what we might have taken for granted, which was getting together with family and friends, you know, whenever we could, and that we haven't been able to do for the last year. It's really made me appreciate some people in our society, mm -hmm. the health healthcare workers, the nurses and the doctors and the people that put themselves on, on the line for us all the time um, to get through this. And, and um, so, yeah, it's made me more appreciative in general of people. I think. Definitely. And I can completely relate to the fact of you kind of need people much more than you thought you did. Uh, there was a little roadblock that I talked to my mom about of just how I miss people. And I'm sure everyone is in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm maybe not, you know, you're, you're such a brilliant girl, Akaya. You're very, very smart. Um, extroverted so it's got to be hard for you but I I would imagine that some of the kids that are younger than you that are at, a, at an incredibly impressionable age it's going to be so this is going to leave scars on them for a long time you know I mean mm -hmm. people are resilient kids are resilient but um, you know it's it's socialization is such an important part of yes. who we are is is as human beings and it's important that that you kind of develop those those uh those skills you know and I think for a lot of kids they're gonna they're gonna have a hard real hard time coming out of this and are having a hard time already you know yeah definitely and now let's play our final spill it segue number three called just a minute I'm going to give you a topic and your task is to talk about that topic for one full minute are you ready mm -hmm. and your topic is order of Canada go order of Canada um, I think that the Order of Canada is one of the most important um, investitures we have as a country. Um, it, it is, it's something that really is so distinctly Canadian in that not only does it sort of recognize people that are accomplished and might have a reputation as celebrities and might have visibility as celebrities, but it, it really does recognize people that are in the trenches during life just what i was talking about a few minutes ago healthcare workers people that that have done amazing things behind the lines that have no no idea that they're ever going to get acknowledged for it i know when i got my order of canada i was really humbled by one guy that he was a doctor and he was in newfoundland and he single-handedly helped eradicate colon cancer in a, in a community oh that was epidemic it was oh epidemic God. and he did he did that because it was it was a mission it was a thing that he felt he had to do for his people and it was really humbling to see people like that that really 
you know, that we're getting acknowledged for, for doing some, some really wonderful things on, on a grassroots level in our country. And I think that's what really sets the Order of Canada apart is, is that, that kind of national award um, that, you know, where it recognizes not, not only singer-songwriters and, you know, Jim Valance was, was a, received his when I did, and he's, a, he, he's written a lot of Brian Adams stuff, a lot of uh, Aerosmith stuff and that. I received it and that. But it's, it's these other people that, that really humble you that have, have, have done things that, that where they worked in the trenches of life, they work with communities, they've, and they've done it with no idea they were ever going to get acknowledged for it. And that, that's what really t is touching about the award. It's a civilian award and a civic award of, of, the, of the highest order. And, and uh, um, you know, I'm very proud of our country for having that particular uh, uh, award and investiture. Definitely. Okay, let's get to know more about you with a few of Spillett's just curious questions. If you could have one superpower, what superpower would it be? Oh, I, I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I would fly. I mean, there's things you could say, and then when you really think about it, you go, it's one of those Pandora box things. Like, I'd like to be able to see through things, like x-ray vision. That's kind of a weird thing. It's kind of a dangerous thing. I think it could make you a little bit psychotic after a while. But flying, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. I could definitely agree. <laughs> and what is the funniest thing that's happened to you recently? Oh, boy, the funniest thing that happened to me recently. Um, mm -hmm. Well, you got me stumped there. <laughs> I've been stuck away too long. The only thing I've done is go go to Sobeys the last uh, two, three days. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, um, oh boy, the funniest thing. I mean, I get my, I feed my foxes. I think that they, I saved a fox last year. Oh, uh, and, yeah, and your I took, Instagram. Yeah, and I, I took them to, to the, um, Aspen Wildlife Center, which is down Lake Rosso, where they came and picked him up and saved him. And I think they, they brought him back here and released him on the point. So he's been hanging out lately. So that's, I don't know if that's, that's funny thing, but it's, uh, I was just surprised to see him. He showed back up, up here and this is kind of his, his home, I guess. He, they, they, they don't forget those things, right? I have definitely seen some videos and some photos of Lil Tom on your Instagram. He is so yeah. cute. Yeah, he is. Well, he's gotten a little bit bigger, but he's still small, you know? Yeah. So I help him survive a little bit. I leave, leave some fish skin out there and a little bit of chicken here and there. What's the most interesting thing about you that we wouldn't learn from your biography alone? Um... Most interesting thing would be, I don't know how interesting it would be. You know, I'm a pretty good golfer, you know, that's, uh, but an amateur golfer. Um, so that's something that really is left out of there, uh, of the bio. So yeah, that's, that's, would be uh, my, my golfing prowess as an amateur. I would like to say I'm amazing at golfing, but <laughs> I love doing it. It's a lot of fun. And where, lot. where do you golf? I golf up here. I golf at a golf course called Ovenberg down between Lake Rosso and Lake Joe and then Perry Sound uh, Country Club and a um, place called Coppinwood. Depends if I'm competing, you know, I'll compete still a little bit, not as much as I used to, but, um, and, you know, so, you know, once we get through this COVID thing, I'll be doing a little bit more of it, but probably more 
playing gigs. That's what I'm going to be doing the most of, you know. And now it's time for our final question. Okay, shoot. If you are talking... If you are talking to a younger version of yourself, what advice would you give you? Oh, that's, that is a really good question. And like a, a lot of good questions, it's, it's tough to answer because there's probably a few things. But I would say, you know, Akaya, I would say be, be more considerate of other people. I think um, like in the song Boy Inside the Man that I wrote, you go through a period where you're pretty tough on everybody, you know? because you're ambitious. And sometimes with ambition, you become a little bit ruthless here and there. And I think if I was talking to myself, I would say, you know, be more considerate, be kind to other people and, mm-hmm. and always, you know, and, and, and think with a little bit more care about the ones, the people you love and you care about. Yeah, that's really important. It is. And that's all the time we have. But before we go, do you have any final words of wisdom you'd like to leave our audience with? Uh, just everybody be strong, you know, um, and, and it's going to be a beautiful summer. Uh, we're, we're blessed with the gorgeous day right now. And um, just be, be patient. We're going to get through this and um, we're going to come out the other side. It's, it's uh, there'll be little setbacks like we're going through another phase three thing here, phase four, whichever it is. But I think when we get through this and we get everybody vaccinated, we'll be able to get back to socializing and get back to, you know, may not get back to a hundred percent the way it was. I think we're all going to be a little more conscious of, of hygiene and, and perhaps wearing masks in certain situations we might not in the past, but um, we're going to get through this and, and we're going to be better for it. And once we're off air, where can our viewers find you? Well, Twitter. I, I work Twitter a lot. There's, and there's Tom Cochran uh, on Facebook as well as Instagram. Um, and it's Tom Cochran, at capital M-U-S. So look for that and look for the little check mark in the shield because there's been a lot of fo- uh, fakers out there. There's been a lot of phony people that have um, tried to abscond with my, my uh, name. So... Yeah, it's Tom Cochran, M-U-S, uh, capital M-U-S. And then there's a little check mark on, on Twitter. Yeah, and a lot of my Twitter feed, which is where I make contributions and management does out of New York, um, uh, goes gets fed over to Facebook as well. And then uh, Instagram, of course, and you know which, what, what that one is, eh, Akaya? So you can tell them about that one. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being ready to spill it with us, Tom. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here with us today. My pleasure, Akai. This week's episode has come to an end, but the fun doesn't have to end here. If you have any questions, suggestions, or feedback, head on over to our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Like, share, and get involved. Until next time, Akaya out. This week's episode has come to an end, but the fun doesn't have to stop there. If you have any questions, suggestions, or feedback, head over right now to Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Like, share, and get involved. Until next time, stay awesome, stay driven, and always be ready to spill it. Nunchuck girl.